So I decided to go see a hypnotist and she cured me in one session. And I said, what did you do to me? What is this? And she said, it's just a state of your brain. Welcome to the Syntax Show. And the thing that I've realized from the CEO to the NFL football player to the janitor, we're our toughest critics and we're hardest on ourselves. But you have to be willing to say and point out the things that need to be said. The only way to grab somebody's attention is with a story. Welcome to another episode of The Syntax Show with John Toda. My guest today is Holly Ann Mitchell. Holly is the founder and chief empathy officer of the Leadwell Network, where she's helping dental practices transform their practices and profits through the principles of compassionate culture and operational leadership. But she's also a practicing hypnotist and is teaching people how to take advantage of what Holly calls the most portable form of mental health that exists. In her previous roles as general practice manager and CEO of Central Park West Dentistry in New York City, Holly helped scale that business from $1 million to $8 million in revenue and learned a lot about leadership and culture along the way. But Holly also uncovered a great interest in rewiring her brain and the power of hypnotic language patterns. We're going to learn more about Holly's journey, self-hypnosis, and her new book on the topic, Try Self-Hypnosis. So let's get into it. Holly Ann Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm excited to have you on the show. I love this topic and the way that you frame it around self-hypnosis and the, the fact that it's really this very portable and simple form of mental health. And I think it's something nowadays that we could all learn more about. But before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about your journey. Obviously, you've had great success in the dental industry. Are you a dentist by trade? Is that how you got into it? No, I thought I might be at a point in time in my life. And actually, what I originally set out to do was to be a musical theater actress. So I was a singer from before I could even talk. And that's really what got me out of my tiny little town in North Central Florida is I was a I was a singer and I got accepted into NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. I did really well in school and I had dreams of Broadway. And six months after I graduated, I had a lot of student debt, no income coming in, and quickly found myself homeless, sleeping on couches. And there was one particular night in Queens in the middle of summer, and it was really, really hot. And the couch I was sleeping on had, there was no air conditioning in the room. And if anyone's ever sweltered through a New York City <laughs> summer, <Yes. laughs> um, I, obviously I could not sleep because it was just horrible. So I'm laying on this tiny little couch that's not even a full couch with my legs pulled up, clasping a Ziploc bag full of ice cubes and wondering <laughs> what happened to my life. I was like, I need to change careers I have to do something and I really need to make money. And I don't know if it was because I had just played Audrey recently in Little Shop of Horrors, but <laughs> a little voice inside said, go be a dentist. And I was like, be a dentist? <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a dentist. And my friends were like, you're nuts. Um <laughs> Uh, but I went to go work in a dental office, and uh, that was the beginning of my career helping dental practices to grow. So you were really an actor and a and a I guess a musician, singer, songwriter, and this was really kind of something you just got into to pay the bills and to give you some stability. Did you fall in love with the industry from there and kind of leave the acting dreams behind, or how did it how did it all kind of roll out? You know. I'll tell you the truth. 
what happened in that moment where I made that decision was a really dark moment. Even though as I reflect on it, it was one out of survival. When I decided not to pursue the only dream that I had ever had, I felt like I lost my identity. I felt like I lost my value in the world. And I threw myself into work. And that distracted me because I was good at it. But I stopped singing for almost a decade because every time I tried to sing, it would make me cry. It broke my heart. And I I really locked a door inside of my heart and moved from my heart into my head and made the best out of a really tough situation. And there were obviously, there are a lot of moments of joy along the way, really amazing people, really amazing experiences and incredible mentors that I learned from. And I grew in different ways, but there was always a piece for me that was hurting. Yeah, yeah. And I know pretty well, both from my experience and a lot of people that I know, just this idea that there's that, it may not be your unique ability, it may not be the thing that you truly see yourself doing and are the most happy doing, but you're good at it and it serves a lot of other people really well and you can have success. And it's very easy to stay your whole career kind of in that box, right? And and you had a lot of success in the dental industry, scaling that practice. So when did a kind of that switch go off that maybe you wanted more than that? Because it probably would have been easy for you to just keep doing that for the long term? Why did you start to evolve beyond it? My friend, Laura Schwint, who is a mindfulness coach, said something to me, and I felt so revealed in it that it was uncomfortable. And I think that's the sign of a great coach. (laughs) When you (laughs) hang up the phone and you go, screw you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you and screw you. She said that burnout happens when you veer from your truest why. And that's what happened to me when I was 29 years old. I was burning out so hard. I was running a successful group practice in New York. And on my days off, I was working as a consultant and speaker, traveling around the country, training other dental practices. And my body started to shut down from the stress. And I think our bodies are so wise. And when we when we talk about the unconscious and the conscious mind, our unconscious mind lives in the body. It holds memories and it holds so much wisdom for us. And it often speaks in whispers, like really interesting little whispers that might feel like, you know, a tummy ache or a headache or a backache. And it's trying to send you a message to help you. But I'm very good at saying, okay, shh, yes, thank you for that. But I'm busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have an agenda today. And when I wasn't listening to the whispers of my body, then it started to shout at me. And I was experiencing panic attacks. Uh, I started having these weird phobias. And I'd always had anxiety and worked around and through my anxiety as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult. But this was becoming unbearable. And I really felt like my brain was broken. I felt like I had fallen down a well and I could look up and I could remember what it was like to be me and feel like me, but I didn't feel like I was in my life. I felt separate from what it really should be. Yeah. And that was the moment that I decided that I needed to take a huge break 
and fix my brain. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I think what you're really speaking to is something that so many of us deal with, that you had a dream, a career path, or a vision for yourself. And even if your life has worked out really well, it may not be to the expectations or or the roadmap that you had planned for yourself. And so that manifests itself in some forms of depression and, and just being really down all the time. And to the outside, people look at you and they go, why would you be depressed? What's wrong with you, right? Oh, but they didn't even know, John. They didn't even know because I'm an actress, remember? I'm a great faker and I have a beautiful smile. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) So I'm great. I'm in the world of dentistry. I have nice teeth, right? So I'm really great at smiling on the outside and suffering on the inside and, and had learned how to do that at that time. And and that's almost even more dangerous, right? Because it's almost impossible for people to see that you're struggling. And, and then it's entirely, I would imagine, then it falls entirely on yourself looking inward. And is this, was this around the time that you started looking at self-hypnosis and the value that that could bring to you? Or were there, did you take a couple steps before you got onto that track? It kind of all happened at the same time. Um, And I think that there were whispers in in many different places. And then eventually I could put them together uh, and understand what the world, the universe, or my unconscious was trying to tell me to do. I was reading a book at the time called Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And he made it sound so easy (laughs) that you could just make a different choice and feel differently. And I always assumed that anxiety was just a part of me. It was my nervous system. There wasn't anything that I could do about it. I could I could white knuckle my way through it, but it was almost like having a, a disability that you had to work around. And in the book, I was like, okay, well, Tony Robbins figured something out. I, I, I need to figure out what he knows that I don't know. And I found out that he had been trained in neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and so I, I said, well, that's, that's how I'm going to fix my brain. So I took all of my vacation time and I took three weeks off of my very demanding job and enrolled in a level one neurolinguistic programming course. And that's when I learned about hypnotic language patterns and that the words that you say can create your world. Words create worlds and that you can change your language, the conversation that you're having about what's happening and about the conversation that's happening inside your head and it can change the neurochemistry that's happening in your body, which will change your outlook, which will change the choices that you make so that it it really all comes down to you deciding to take your power back. And that changed everything for me. So can, can you help us with an example of how this might be done? Because I, I would imagine some of our listeners might be hearing what you're saying and feeling in a similar way that they might just feel like they're not on their perfect track or they might be a little down with where they're at in their life or their career. And I know people always talk about the mindset um, and NLP. We've had a few people on talk about it, but you've got a very practical piece to this with the hypnosis. Is there something that worked for you or something that could be easy enough that our listeners could try that you could take us through that, that might help people? Absolutely. There's a a book that I read called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. 
And, and so he affirms that we are our own hypnotists. And the words that we use in our self-talk are hypnotizing our brains to tell us how to feel and what to do next. And so when we look at what is hypnosis, what is the state of hypnosis? Hypnosis is like meditation, but it's a little deeper. It's meditation with an agenda. So you're using this tool to help you make a change. And a lot, lots of people use hypnosis for smoking cessation, or they want to lose weight, or they want to get over a phobia, which is how I ended up going to a hypnotist. <laughs> My first time is because I wanted to cure a really weird and bizarre phobia of vomit. Um, <laughs> Because I want to have kids someday and they, they kind of vomit like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to go see a hypnotist and she cured me in one session. How the heck did she do this? And that's exactly the conversation I had with her the next day. Because I went home and tested it. I watched Grey's Anatomy and I didn't faint like I normally would have fainted at a medical show. And I said, what did you do to me? What is this? And she said, it's just a state of your brain. Hypnosis is a state of your brain. So it's a little bit deeper than meditation. If you were to hook your brain up to an EEG machine and you were to watch it, right? It's going to look like a heart monitor. When your brain is in a meditative state or what people would call flow state, your brain is an alpha state. This is a relaxed, focused awareness state where a lot of athletes use this kind of zone so that they can perform at their peak under high pressure situations. So they feel relaxed, alert, aware, and they're very, very focused on what's right in front of them. This is what mindfulness does to your brain as you're training your brain to stay in the state more often than not. In hypnosis, your brain waves are even slower than alpha state. It's called theta state. And the most amazing thing that I learned about theta state is that children ages zero to seven are in theta state 100% of the time. So everything that they're seeing, hearing, uh, everything is going in as a direct command to their unconscious mind and is wiring them for how they're going to interact with the world the rest of their life. Now we can get into the state and usually in the very early morning when you just wake up or right before you go to bed, your brain waves are a lot slower so you're already in that alpha state. So if you can get your brain to slow down in the morning or late at night before you go to bed, and that really happens by just meditating first and then going a little bit deeper, which I could, I could tell you how to do. But when you get into that state, whatever you imagine, whether it be words that you're saying to yourself or something that you're envisioning, right? Like a, a visualization that is lighting up your neural networks to rehearse that as your new reality. So the way that I learned it from this book, how, what to say when you talk to yourself is I was never a morning person. I hated the mornings. I would have much preferred to sleep until 11 and I would be a chipper bird at that time. So I, I knew that being a morning person would probably help me work out and be a little bit more effective and productive. So in the book, he says, when you first open your eyes, instead of saying to yourself, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, which is what I would usually say. He said, say to yourself, when you're in this open and suggestible state, I have all the energy I need right now. I'm so energized, right? Say something that's going to energize you. And so I was like, all right, well, this sounds like a load of crap, but I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so every morning for a week, 
I would open my eyes and I would say, I'm up, I'm up, I'm so energized, and I'm up. And I kid you not, this changed me into a morning person. This simple little exercise of saying to myself that I'm energized, I didn't need any coffee. Really? And and how long does that take? I, I know when you hear about this, it's a little practice like that, which almost seems for a lot of people unbelievable that you could do something like that and, and affect that much of a change. How long did it take for you just to implement a simple practice like that into your daily life to make you a morning person like in your case? It happened in a week. Wow. It happened in a week. I, I said, I'll give it a week. I'll practice it for a week. And then sure enough, I started to wake up with energy. I had already rewired my brain. And this kind of stuff can happen quickly. Most people, if they want to stop smoking, they need three to six sessions of hypnosis. Some people can do it in one session. It just depends on how suggestible you are. How often you spend in these slower brainwave states have a huge impact on how suggestible you are to hypnosis, whether it be self-hypnosis or guided hypnosis with a hypnotist. But it's all about getting your brain into these slower states of mind, where now you can start changing the blueprint and being the architect of your reality. And so morning happens to be a good time to do this. And I know that probably a lot of our listeners right now are hearing this and they feel the same way that they don't like getting up in the morning. It's always a struggle. And is it almost like coming up with a little mantra that works for you and then consistently reciting those words every day and that becomes almost the practice that now gets you out of bed in the morning and and changes your your positioning a little bit yes your unconscious speaks in imagery in symbols and language has a lot of power because we have associations in our mind around that language so you could say those things to yourself when you're in these slower brainwave states and so, and it doesn't need to be necessarily in the early morning or in the late evening. You can take yourself into the state anytime you want, and I'll tell you exactly how to do it. So you can do a traditional induction, right? You, you could always do the count backwards from 10. Imagine a wave of relaxation traveling from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. And as that wave of relaxation crashes over you, imagine the number 10 fading into the distance. And you can do that, just the self-induction, a little relaxation, counting backwards from 10, and walking down a staircase inside of your mind underneath that alpha state into that theta state and going deeper, like diving a little deeper. And that's easy enough to do in practice, but even easier than that is something called havening. Now there's a lot of really amazing research on this, and there's so much power in touch especially self-touch. So they've done studies with people with post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress syndrome, and they've used this practice of self-touch to help them reconsolidate traumatic memories and help them to heal whatever was triggering them before. And the reason that it works is because it's putting your brain in that slower brainwave state. So if you, I'll lead you through it right now. If you cross your arms across your chest and okay. put your hands on either shoulder. Okay, so okay, I'm gonna so do. I'm gonna do this now. So All your right. arms are in an X. Okay. Okay, and you and you should have your hands on each of the opposite shoulders. Okay. And so what you're gonna do is you're gonna apply a little pressure on the outsides of your arms, 
moving your hands down towards your elbows, like you're giving yourself a hug. And just do that from the top of your shoulders down towards your elbows. And what you're doing right now is as you, as you continue to do this self-hug, is you're pressing on a part of the arm that's very sensitive. And there's something underneath the skin called the corpus proscenium. And when you press on this part of your arm, what happens is that it releases delta waves, which are the slowest brain waves inside of your brain. Babies in the womb are in delta state. People at the end of their life are in delta state. Because when your brain is in delta, which is the slowest brainwave state, you're most connected to everything and everyone. A lot of people call this consciousness. But just by giving yourself this hug, you're slowing the brainwaves down. And so I like to do this in the shower. And then I'll imagine my day or my week or my month or my year and all of the things that I'm excited to do and be and see and experience in my life as I am slowing my brain down. And because I am imagining all of the possibilities becoming real, I'm lighting up the neural networks in my brain, which tell me how to feel and allow me to step into the person that I'm becoming in order to be ready for the future that I'm creating today. Anytime you need to change a habit, you can do this exercise of self-hugging and see yourself adopting the new habit. Anytime you need to heal the past or the recent past, you can do this exercise of self-hugging and imagine a new outcome, one that allows you to heal it's really powerful. How do you feel? So that's um, that's really interesting. I, it actually does work. It does help when you are talking us through it because you have a, a, a hypnotic like voice tone. So that's that's nice too. <laughs> but I I totally get it. And and so now this is something you do this on a daily basis and kind of envision what you want to accomplish that day that week. But anytime that you feel that you've got kind of that anxiety rising up, this is the practice that can help? Yes. I do this before I go on stage. If oh. I'm going to speak at a conference, I'll do this exercise and I, I will say prayers for everyone in the audience and for myself so that they get to take home whatever it is that they need. And it completely calms my nervous system down because I'm slowing my brain waves down. Or if, or if you just did something and you find you're beating yourself up over it, like, oh my gosh, why did I do that thing? Or why did I say that thing? If you just do this self-hug, this simple act of self-compassion and say to yourself, whatever you need to hear from you in that moment, Right, like this is just a drop of water in an ocean that is my life. And there is so much more that is coming for me. I'm so excited. It will change your state. So I think this is so powerful for it, it just from the fact that it's so easy to do. And I think as you said, 
it's the one of the most portable and simple forms of mental health. And so what and and I know this is what you're passionate about. You wrote the book Try Self-Hypnosis. It's coming out in September. Tell us a little bit about these practices, what you're doing in the book, what you're doing on the website, because if anybody's listening and that helped a little bit, maybe they can go and check out and, and learn some more about about self-hypnosis. What What's the book all about? Does it have practices just like this? It really is about hacking your brain. <laughs> That's why I love it. And it gives people the tools so they can do this whenever they need it, whenever they need to make a change, whenever they need to feel a different way. I want them to be their own hypnotist so that they can make that change. Because Viktor Frankl has this this quote that between stimulus and response, there is the space for choice. And when you have, when we have things that trigger us, there's no space between the stimulus and the response. It's just immediate, right? And so what we do when we're able to interrupt these patterns, when we can slow our brain waves down, we create just enough space to start making different choices for ourselves. And that's what I wanna be able to give to people is to give them the power to heal the past, to envision a brighter future, and to feel however they wanna feel today so they can allow their best self to show up each and every opportunity, each and every moment that they are experiencing life and impacting others. So yes, I have a, a book coming out. It's my first book, baby. I'm really excited <laughs> about it. It's And it's more than a book, really, because there are audio trances along with the book where I guide people into different states of hypnosis in different ways so that they can use it for different reasons, whether you need it for you know, trust or for love or for courage or to heal anxiety or to help them uh, give them energy when they're feeling really low and, and their, their nervous system is frozen. And, it, and there's a companion online course, which is already available at tryselfhypnosis.com. This work has changed my life, and all I want to do is share it with other people. Oh, I think it's so great, and and I, I love what you're doing on the website. So I do have to ask you to use a gold pocket watch in <laughs> hypnotizing people. <laughs> it's only for photographs. It's only for photographs. No, you don't need it. You don't need it. It's funny. So for all our listeners, you'll have to check out tryselfhypnosis.com because Holly has the gold pocket watch on there. But I think it's uh, it's more for the fun of it because this is all about being able to do it yourself and to get your brain back where you want it to be. I, I love what you're doing. I think it's so important for people. So where should our listeners learn more about you? Tryselfhypnosis.com, of course. Is there anywhere else that they should go to learn more about your speaking, the workshops, the online course? Yes, they can go to my site, which is my name, Holly Ann Mitchell, Holly with a Y and with an E, and Mitchell with two L's, hollyannmitchell.com or on Instagram at hollyannmitchell.nyc. Very cool. And the book comes out, I think you said September 1st, but you can pre-order it. I think you said you can pre-order it now. Where should people go if they want to do that? They can get on the list for pre-order at tryselfhypnosis.com, and I'll let you know as soon as that baby has been born. Well, congratulations. It's a huge achievement getting the book done. And and I know on a personal level, you have now relocated. You're in Nashville, 
now are you there because you're getting back to your roots as a <laughs> as a singer yes i am very excited to be back in singing again when uh my father my father passed in 2019 and he was a drummer and music was a big part of his life as it was mine and when my dad passed i wrote him a song to honor his life and that really unlocked the door in my heart uh, so it's been a really beautiful awful journey <laughs> from being that little girl in north central florida to to being here in in nashville and everything that i've been through and i have this quote that i often say and i'll, I'll bleep myself for the purposes of this recording but allow your to become your fertilizer <laughs> to help you and others to grow. And, and that's really what I try to live my life all about is taking the moments that feel so hard and trying to make something beautiful out of them. And, and that's what I've done with my father's death is uh, I've taken a real moment of darkness and processed my grief through music. And now he's with me all the time. Every time I uh, open my mouth to sing, well, that's that's beautiful, and and it is. It's nice to see that you know. Obviously, bad things like that are are so hard to deal with. But in your case, it kind of was that impetus for you to go full circle and get back to what it was you set out to do in the first place, and and where your passion is. And I think it's amazing, I, and I love that you've made this focus on hypnosis and helping other people do it themselves. And so great to see you get back to your singing as well. So we'll have to also keep a, an eye on you on Instagram, I'm sure, so we can see how, how the, the singing career is progressing down in Nashville as well. Um, but Holly, thank you so much for being here with us today, taking us through that. It was really so much fun to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Sean. It was a delight, and uh, I hope it. I hope people can take these little things and integrate it into their lives. It it really has made a big impact on me, and I'm just happy to share it. Yeah, thank you so much, and to all of our listeners, thank you for being here each week. As you know, we release a new episode every week, so wherever you're listening, be sure to subscribe and leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you guys. And until our next episode, happy learning. Hey listeners, we really value our audience and we are so thankful you're here listening to The Syntax Show. So please, wherever you are, leave us comments, like us, and rate us. That helps new people find the show wherever they are. Thanks for tuning in to The Syntax Show with John Toda.